welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. It's 2020, y'all, and we're kicking it off with a living legend, Jennifer Slag, chats it up with us all about the holy grail of SEO, the quality readers guidelines, why Google has changed its language around YMYL, the meaning of Google shuffling around its categorization of YMYL sites, and the ever-controversial relationship between the quality reader guidelines and Google's algorithm. Plus, we jump into the crap people are saying about SEO in 2020. I am your host, and I am joined by... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't list any adjectives today. <laughs> oh, I am, wow. Yeah, I am joined by the very nice and the very wonderful Aww. Sapir Carabello. That was the best introduction so far. I can't... I blew it. I blew the new year... <laughs> Already, I totally <laughs> forgot to like create adjectives to describe you. It's better that way. Wow, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you so for? I no, like no, to it. the um, to the audience. Oh, Apologizing to the audience. My God. Okay. Um. Well, first off, happy New Year. Happy Hope- New Year. Yeah, isn't that yeah. cool? 2020. Yeah. I 2020 flows better than 2019. 2019, something you say like from Long Island. 2019. <laughs> 2020 just kind of like boom off the tongue. It's good. One year older. One year older. Not yet. Uh, March. March is my birthday. Mm -hmm. Then I'll be older and far more balder. Anyway, um, (laughs) don't forget we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. Of course, you may and should and hopefully will subscribe on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, mm. Also, brand new for the new year and as requested by SEO expert extraordinaire Alita Solis. Our desktop SERP feature tracker now tells you YouTube's market share inside the video box on the SERP. And as you may have guessed, YouTube URLs occupy about 90% of the cards you're going to see in Google's desktop video carousel. You can find the SERP feature tracker on the Rank Ranger homepage. Head over to resources, click on resources. You'll see a thing on free tools. And under there is the desktop SERP feature tracker. Right. Also, also, very, very special announcement for our listeners. It's our first episode in 2020, and we are going to kick this off the right way. So thank the good Lord, this podcast has has taken off pretty well. Um, And I don't really have to hunt for guests, Hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of folks come and ask to come on the show. Um, People who come on the show recommend other people and and so forth. And, And it's been it's been great. Um, and we were chugging along this way, and I was not happy. Mm-hmm. So just by chance, because you know the people coming to me, the people um, on the show recommending other people, we were getting a lot of men for the most part. <laughs> it was turning into there being too many men for my liking on the show. <laughs> we needed a bit of diversity. Okay. So okay. I took to Twitter and asked if any of the brilliant women in SEO would like to come on the podcast. And the response was insane, oh. like in a good way. It was actually overwhelming. I'm like a total schmuck. I asked on Twitter while I was traveling. So I'm getting all these answers back from all these wonderful people. And I'm like in an airport trying to answer it. I'm in the plane trying to answer. I'm trying to keep track of the thread. I don't know what's going on. I'm half jet lagged, half dead. <laughs> trying to figure out the Twitter thread of who's who's answering and did I answer them back or not? Right. But long story short, the response back was massively wonderful. In the end, we have I think about uh, eleven, um, so far at least, brilliant, wonderful women in SEO 
who are set to come on the podcast. Oh. Yep. So basically, for the next three months, three freaking months of the In Search SEO podcast, we'll be featuring the bestest, baddest, smartest, most awesomest women in search. Yes. Yes. Okay, get it? Like, In Search, because we're calling it the okay, Women yeah. In Search SEO we get it. Uh, it. Yeah, I blew it. We're calling it. The, <laughs> we're calling it the Women in Search Interview Series. The in Search, get it? Because the In Search SEO podcast, Women in Search. Okay. It it it, it works. It's a it. You understand that? It makes Money. sense. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. And it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. To call it that. Okay. Forget it. Okay. okay. Now I want to add. You want to add. Of course, no. you want to add. Yes, because I'm good at talking. <laughs> By the way, I'm, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Yeah. Um. So I want to end in all, all seriousness that um, this is actually generally very, very important to me. I have a lot of things, um, let's call it in my history growing up, that makes this very important to me. And that's all you're going to get on that topic. Unless, it's okay. We don't care. Wow. I was yeah. going to tell you about my traumatic childhood, <laughs> but okay. Thanks so much. We don't care. Wow. Just keeping it real. Keeping it real. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to kick this off with the one, the only, Jennifer Slag. But first, I have to schmooze with you about a few things. Of course I do. Yes. I just like to talk, which is why they had me doing a podcast. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It, that also makes sense. Right. A lot of things make sense. So I love this time of year, by the way. It's why? my favorite time of year. Because of the holiday? No, because it's a time of the year where all the morons come out of the woodwork and start making all sorts of hilariously <laughs> nonsensical predictions about SEO in the new year. Oh As if SEO all of a sudden changes once the clock strikes 12 on January 1st. So different in 2020 than it was in December 2019, right? Obviously, of course. I feel bad for laughing. Yeah. I'm a jackass, right? At least you know. <laughs> like, as Socrates said, you know, the difference between me and you is at least I'm aware of what I know and don't <laughs> exactly. know. And you don't you have right. self-awareness. That's, I'm that's like Socrates. Good, yeah. That's what, right. <laughs> not sure that's a good thing. Um, I'm not going to get into that. Anyway. Okay. So um, I literally Googled SEO tips for 2020. Okay. And I saw a bunch of crap that came up for the most part. There are some good articles. I'm not saying no. Some really good pieces of advice. Search Engine Journal put out a nice piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, some really smart people. Had some really interesting pieces of advice. And that was good. Mm-hmm. There are other just junk. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. I just have to keep it PG-13. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just horrible. Anyway, so we have a brand new segment for our brand new year. We're calling it What's Falling Flat in SEO. So I felt like I had to start the new year off, like new year-ish. Like I had a totally different topic planned I was going to talk to you guys about today. Okay. Mm-hmm, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like we have it's a new year. You have to do something with the new year. Right. And that wasn't new yearish at all. Okay. So since I'm a horribly sarcastic and cynical person, okay. Uh, instead of giving you the top five trends for 2020, here's a top five pieces of utter crap, uh-huh. bull crap, nonsense you're going to hear <laughs> along the way. And why I think it's crap. You're right. Nothing better to start the new decade with yet another one of your ends. I'm keeping it real, as you mm-hmm. said. Okay. Real Morty. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is not in any particular order. Here's five things. <laughs> not in particular order. <laughs> right. All crap, but not in particular Right. Like the, n- right. None of it stinks worse than the rest. <laughs> it all stinks. Okay. <laughs> Number five. Links and authority will save your SEO soul. Yes. Yeah. Links are important. But seeing everyone under the sun write about how you need to build a link and you need to do this link and you need to do that link to save your site is a bit much for me. Same for authority. 
Oh, we need to, you have to have an author bio, and your cut needs to be reviewed by an expert. And now you'll rank number one. You'll rank better than number one. You'll be the Uber ranker. It's all a bit linear to me at this point, especially in the age of the core update, where these sort of one-dimensional outlooks are not enough. Authority is a concept. It's a deep concept full of all sorts of latent meanings and implications. It's not a link. It's not an author bio. It's not an expert-reviewed content. Those are all practical manifestations of authority. It is not, per se, authority. Uh, and this is a larger par point for me. SEO was built to speak to machines, right? Because Google was a machine. I'm a machine. <laughs> okay. Now the machine is starting was to think that like... that Aaron Schwarzenegger? That was friend? Terminator, yeah. Yes, I got it. Yeah, that was good. Who do you think it was? <laughs> I don't know. Paul McCartney. <laughs> Just okay. Keep it going. Down from the Beatles. Okay. <laughs> SEO was built to talk to machines. The machine, being Google's, now is starting to talk, think, do like a human. So we're at the point where we're talking about things like intent and targeting and blah 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 the way that a human would. In other words, marketing, which has been speaking to humans forever and not to machines, and SEO is sort of catching up to each other. Which is, again, why you're talking, intent is part of the conversation now, and blah, blah, blah is all part of the conversation now. Because the way SEO is and the way marketing is are much more aligned than they were in the past. So when thinking about your site overall, think about it from a much more holistic perspective. I speak about this on Marketing Land. You can check out a video of me talking about this point in more detail. And because you mentioned that, oh, you're speaking again. So there are, other, there are a bunch of other people who got who are on are on this like little video series they have for trends in 2020. Mm -hmm. And they all speak for like a minute. And I go on and on for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man. I, oh, and I asked, like, how long should I go for? I keep it under three minutes. And I did. It, took me, it was very hard, by the way. It was very, very hard. Imagine. It took me hours to get it right. Mm -hmm. And then I was like doing a minute. I'm like, how did you do that in a minute? I can't do less than like three for sure oh, i can't shut up okay number four number four <laughs> okay yeah. is the number four piece of crap advice <laughs> you're going to hear in 2020 is voice search is a must if you're doing seo no it's not i know voice search is real it's not a figment of my imagination <laughs> and i know some very um well-respected folk such as barry schwartz are very hot on voice search and it's, i actually am myself just be careful because like every year, all the experts are saying voice search for 2020 is here and it's not. We're not there yet. At least it's not as I see it. So I agree with people like Barry because who the hell am I to argue with Barry Schwartz? But my point is, and I, I would imagine a lot of people who are hot on voice search, the real experts would agree with what I'm saying, is that I feel like there needs to be something pivotal in order for voice search to take off, some sort of breakthrough. Because right now we're using voice search for things like to turn off the lights while your significant other is taking a crap in the bathroom or looking up the weather outside because we're too lazy to pull up a shade or, or showing how smart we are by asking our devices questions that it clearly can't answer. Like, why am I such a freaking schmuck? Oh, I, I can't answer that. That's out of question my parameters. Oh, Google didn't know it. Like, come on, that's what we're using voice search for? What's my favorite ice cream? Does not compute. Oh, Google doesn't know it. So the way we're using voice search is not what voice search is really designed to be, ultimately speaking. Google, there's many, many things we've talked about in the podcast before. Uh, Google wants to go deeper with voice search and using it to do things like check the weather outside or ask it like stupid nonsensical questions is not what voice search is for. As I said before, we're using it in a way to simplify it of a way. 
and we're using it as a novelty. So something needs to happen. Something pivotal needs to happen. Like the moment that Netflix flew flew through <laughs> Netflix threw up, not threw up like regurgitated, like threw up, put up. <laughs> Okay, put up a yes. Clarifying. Yes. yes. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Put up a full series of, of of a season all in one shot. So you're like, wow, that's a game that's a pivotal moment in history. Because now I can numb my entire life by watching ten episodes in a row of a talking horse cartoon. Okay. So that's what needs to happen for voice search. Something pivotal needs to happen, so I'm trying to say. Wait, horse cartoon? Yeah, Bojack Horse. We never watched that my thing, but that's what came to mind. Um, <laughs> number three, FAQ markup. If you're all in on this and you're going hog wild, as everyone says you should be doing, every list includes it. Don't forget FAQ markup. But no list says, just make sure it's applicable to what you're actually doing. Then you can forget FAQ markup. At least if if it's not a perfect natural fit, because Google is not dumb, and this Coke Fest that is the current FAQ party cannot possibly last. So put the mirror and the hundred bill, hundred dollar bill down, put away your razor blades, and get yourself clean, and only implement FAQ when you're actually doing an FAQ type thing. Not to the Stone Temple Pilots. If you like that band, you know what I just did. Anyway, number two. Number two, yeah. Number two, yes, you're like stunned. Like, what the <laughs> hell just happened here? I, I'm losing track. No, really? Five to, to two? It was hard for you? You talk way too much to keep up, you know? Well, I'm going like to talk a little more. You're killing, it our, you're killing our time here. <laughs> okay, okay, move on. Trying to keep this short, Come and you're on. interrupting yes, me. Yes, you're sure? Number two. <laughs> yeah. As in, on the list, number two, not going number thank two you, for that clarification. Yeah, yes, okay. I know. Potty humor is still funny to me. Okay. Yep, that's weird. Zero click searches. Yes, we all know the data and calm the freak down. Okay, SEO is not dead. Your site is not dead. The only thing dead in 2020 is Uncle Harry's sex life. I think 2020. Ew. Yeah, I, Ew. I, I had to go there. I, Do you really have a, no, an Uncle no, Harry? No, no, it's a very Jewish thing. Like everyone has their Uncle Harry who's a total like, you know, like this like loser guy, whatever. It's, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and he doesn't have sex because he's, he's Uncle Harry. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> okay. Uh, zero. Cl- there's a lot of context that needs to be discussed. A lot of nuance. Yes. That's a dirty word. Nuance. When discussing zero click searches. For example, yes. If you show up with a local pack on the same page as your organic results, you are not going to get clicks. You're, the local pack is going to kill you. Right? But if you're writing really technical, complex pieces of, of instructions... And you show up in a future snippet, you're most likely still going to get a click on your URL. So it very much depends on what's happening around you. It's not just so simple. Oh, 50%. There it is. The whole world is ending. It all depends on your vertical. All depends on the type of content. It all depends on a lot of things. And yes, we know we all speak about zero-click search. But I would imagine that if you looked at the average user's behavior, they're not just searching for those sort of high search volume keywords like what's playing in the movies right now that bring up all those SERP features. A lot of times you're doing deeper research where there aren't so many SERP features and there are more clicks. So again, it's very, very nuanced. So I'm not saying the 50% data is wrong or bad. I would love to see a little bit more, more insight into what keywords were used. But other than that, there's still a larger picture out there that it all depends on. You get what I'm saying? It's all scenario specific, and I can keep going, but I'm not. Number one. Thank God. Yes. Bert. Hey, Bert. 
Oh, no. You know I had to do it. You knew I had to do it. Uh, and you're all thinking, Bert, that's your number one piece of crap trend in 2020. Bert, are you on, like, drugs? No. Are you crazy? <laughs> Maybe. But I'm right in this case, I think. Um, I don't mean when I say that Bert is a piece of 2020 crap advice you're going to hear about that Bert won't be effective or play an important role. I am one if, – if anything – I am the biggest supporter of focusing on, on natural language processing in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's the teacher in you. What? No. I think. No. Hey, Bert. <laughs> no. Um, I'm listing Bert here mainly because I feel the way that we're relating to it in the industry is off. I get the sense as if we think, or the experts who are writing these 2020 trends list think, that Google flicked the switch and now Bert will turn everything on its head and change SEO as you know it in a single bound. Uh, first, you do realize that Bert's been around for like two months already, and it hasn't happened. So I love your writing trends. Like, Bert's going to change everything. But it's been around for two months already, and it hasn't. So that's a great prediction there, buddy. Um, think back to Rank Brain, though. Because Rank Brain came out in 2016, and the conversation around intent really started when? 2016? No. 20, end of 2017, 2018, it was like that's when it came super big. So it took almost a year, maybe a year and a half, for intent to become a thing. Why? Because that's how machine learning works, people. Okay, it, 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 it learns, it improves, it makes changes. And, and, this is, and this is a big, big, big part of the equation. It's hard to predict exactly what those changes are going to look like, how Google's going to use it, how Google's going to use BERT as BERT sort of evolves. Um, and not just Bert, any of its machine learning properties. So, so no more cliches, right? Um, you know, Bert and NLP are going to turn the syrup on its head. Bert will be big. It may be bigger than Big Bird. <laughs> I had to do it. Right. I had sure, to do it. Yeah. Hey, Bert. But it's going, to, it's going to grow. It's going to make a deeper impact. So why don't we just have a look and wait and see how Bert grows, how Bert develops, how Google implements and uses Bert before we start saying, Bert's going to do this. Because we don't know. I wish I had a dollar for every time you said the word Bert. Hey, Bert. <laughs> and I'm done. That's number one. Oh, There's no God. more. Okay. Yep. That's it. Hallelujah. Yeah. But if you want to look at more um, twenty top 2020 trends that suck in 2020 in SEO, 2020. Yeah. Just Google top trends. Yeah. Just, just Google top <laughs> trends of 2020 in SEO. You'll find a whole bunch of crap there. Oh, no. That was not nice. <laughs> that wasn't nice. Okay. Oh, Enough of that. Let's kick off our Women in Search series in style with the one, the only, Jennifer Slegg. Cut one. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast interview session. Today we have with us one of the most known personalities within the world of search. I am completely honored. You may know her from interviewing Googlers of all varieties or from covering search marketing news. She is the one, the only, the legendary Jennifer Slegg. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I have to ask you a personal question before we start. Um, I know you're a Canucks fan. Yes. <laughs> and one of my fondest memories as a child was watching the Rangers win in 1994. Is there any bad blood still? Yeah. We okay. Don't talk we don't talk, I won't talk about Pablo <laughs> Bure then. Okay. No worries. We'll, we'll, we'll quickly move on from that and jump into the quality rater <laughs> guidelines. <laughs> okay. So... You are a quality reader guidelines aficionado expert, but some of us listening may not be. So would you mind just starting us off by explaining what the guidelines are in a nutshell? Okay. So 
the quality rater guidelines is basically Google's guide to the sites they want to rank highest in the search results, as well as a lot of the types of sites they want to see rank the lowest or not at all in the search results. Basically, I say this is like the closest how-to guide that Google will give SEOs and site owners of where what they should be looking at to meet what Google wants um, their outgo to be doing uh, now and in the future as well. And the question I'm always asked, and I always clarify this because everybody wants to know, no quality raters don't have any impact on your site and the live search results whatsoever. So even if your competitor happens to get in as a quality rater, they cannot do anything that's going to negatively impact your site in the search results. However, they are rating sites based on how good or not good they are. So if raters think your site sucks, it doesn't matter if they're a competitor or not, Google is working to make your site rank lower in the search results. And who are these raters exactly? They are people, for the most part, that don't have SEO backgrounds. They're not like super searchers. They're just, they target like stay-at-home moms. I know a lot of stay-at-home moms do this. Um, they're just targeting people that are working from home. I Last number we had was, I think, 10,000 quality raters that they had. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and it covers all languages, all countries. Well, maybe not all countries, but a ton of different countries. So they're not all like US-based, for example. They're all over the place and all different languages. Wow, that's pretty interesting. I had, do you know how one becomes a quality reader? Yes, you <laughs> find an ad and people have posted copies of these ads before that people are pretty sure they're quality readers. And they literally, it's run through a third party a contractor and they put out these ads and you just apply. And if you're lucky, you'll get chosen. It sounds like a cushy <laughs> job. I don't know how cushy it actually is because basically what you're doing the whole time you're working is you're looking at two sets of search results and determining which side of the search results is higher or lower quality. And even the raters don't know, like, this is live results and this is what we're testing. They it can be randomized and then they have to, like, go and look at each site. Then they have to go and do reviews on the site, like, find out the reputation for all these different websites. So. It's actually, if you, if you like searching and are kind of interested in like digging around, I, I could see it being interesting, but I know raiders have said it's a rather boring job <laughs> because they're, for the most part, they're not SEOs. So they're not like looking for the inside scoop like we do when we're reading the raider guidelines. Right. For me, it's like, wow, this would be really interesting. I get like a nice little uh, preview of what's, what's to come perhaps. But I think like if you're doing it day in, day out, it's probably not so interesting. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, okay, so let's jump into some of the changes. Let's get into the nitty gritty of this a little bit. Um, first of all, I have to admire you because I have no idea how you remember all these things. I know. It's <laughs> like insane. I, I screw up. The, there's one in May. There's one in September. There's one in August. 20. I, I, I screw up like when, when each thing was updated. I mix them up all the time. How you keep that straight? You are like a, a genius of some sort. Do you have a photographic memory? I have a pretty good memory. Like someone will pop up, like mention something. I'll be like, oh, well, that was like in the Raider guidelines from like two years ago that they announced <laughs> with XYZ. And people are like, what? What just happened? <laughs> How do you know this? <laughs> That's amazing because I have the worst memory. So, like, you're the total opposite of me here. Um, <laughs> okay. So, first change I want to talk about was in May 2019, Google replaced the term eat, you know, um, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness 
with page quality. And of course, it is so famous or infamous within the SEO industry. I have to ask, why did they do that? So that particular change was more, I kind of looked at it as like a quality of life change. They weren't really changing anything from like our perspective of digging down to it. It was more for the quality raters that they they were worried that I, I what I suspect is the raters were focusing too much on eat and not overall quality because not all pages have to have eat okay. because if you're if you're looking for a recipe for tomato soup or something or you're looking on you know how to sew a seam like you don't have to really judge a lot of eat on that kind of stuff but it's still very apparent if the page is quality or not. So it was more just like to simplify things on the readers' ends, I think. Okay, because like there are moments or, or, or spots where they leave EAT in. Yeah, so right. EAT is 100% super important to the quality raters. It's just in a few instances, they seem to pull back on EAT and just make it the more generic page quality. Okay, okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, by the way, since we're, since we're talking about um, page quality and that sort of thing, what goes... It's like we're, I know, like in the SEO world, we're very internal, our little like check boxes, right? So, authoritative pages, page authority. Okay, so I have my author bio, and I have this, and I have that. But what do you think at the at its core goes into page quality or authority? This is what everybody wants to know. Of I know, course. as I'm a asking topic, you, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we know links are super important um, because that you know, links give a lot of authority to a website and Google's confirmed this as well many times that, you know, links are super important and they have to be natural links and not unnatural. But also like just slapping an author bio on your page isn't instantly going to give your site more credibility in Google. Um, there's recently someone came up with like this whole rent an author scheme where people were paying people specifically to put their bylines on their crappy content. You knew there was only that's, a matter of time till that happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's not going to help uh, either. Google has said specifically that they're not tracking ranker, or not tracking authors like they did back when authorship was a thing, mm -hmm. unless the author is what is like an entity. So like, you know, someone who writes for the New York Times or is extremely well known. If you're an author that has a Wikipedia page, you're more considered an entity in that kind of case. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So readers, um, they're, they're basically looking at author bios and backgrounds and stuff to confirm EAT, but we know that the algo isn't specifically looking for EAT um, in that way. Like, oh, is there an author bio? Check. Right. You know, it's good. Like the thing that people um, kind of get hung up on is a lot of the things the Raider guidelines are talking about are things that are really, really good for users too. Like... A searcher who lands on your page they want to know who's writing about your content right they want to know you know what's this person's background and should i trust this content you know i'll go to a web page and i'll look for the about us page to read a little bit about the site you know the raiders they're not trained seos so they're not like us that are really like deep diving and look like all these little minutey things <laughs> and because they have limited skill search like they're basically following what exactly what the guidelines are telling them to do as you know, many SEOs, we kind of get caught up in this, you know, doing everything for Google. Right, exactly. But a lot of the guidelines are not so much as what it is for Google, but their mindset is more, how is this going to benefit for the users? And if it's good for users, then, you know, you should be doing it uh, regardless. On the authority part, there's lots of ways you can in increase your authority. Like if you're a local business, you know, get mentions in your local newspaper, uh, do interviews, do reviews, um, write for other sites, you know, don't 
approach like I get people approaching me and they're like, oh, I'll write a content for you if you include three, you know, <laughs> do follow links within the content, you know, <laughs> don't approach people like that and don't say, hey, can I guest blog for you? Right. Because that scares people off. They're going to be like, yeah, people have said this is bad. I'm not going to touch you with a 10 foot pole. Um, but if you're writing for another site and your goal is to get links and to build up your credibility, then if you're writing something really good quality for that site, chances are pretty good they're going to give you the link anyways if if you're producing good quality stuff for them and obviously you know don't just send out a hundred million hey can i write for you um things go and pick and choose because you want your content to also appear on authoritative sites because that will benefit you and help to show that you're you know an authority on the subject as well how does that work exactly though like, like but the case that stands out to me would say is like um, a health site they have a doctor review their content which yes. I think Google has said, like, we recommend you do that. Mm -hmm. But how does Google know if that's actually accurate or not? Like, I could hire myself as a doctor and Dr. Oberstein is reviewing this content. I know. So that's an interesting thing. And a lot of us are kind of puzzling over this. Like, how is Google, you know, actually determining that, yes, a doctor is reviewing this? And again, they're looking at these other signals. Like, is this doctor being linked to from other authoritative sites? Does, is their bio linking out to other places as well that is lending credibility to them? Because the raters, when they go to this, like a, a medical site, for example, and they're reviewing it and they see this doctor, they're going to go and then look up this doctor. Is this actually a real doctor? Is he, you know, right. can I not find a mention of him anywhere? And then the raters are going to go and rate this site based on what they find out about this doctor, if he's real or not, that kind of thing. And they're going to rate that particular page as like high quality, medium quality, low quality, however it falls into there. And then Google's algos is then working to, with those ratings to be like, okay, well, you know, this one was down in number nine, but it got the highest quality of the entire page. So what, how should we be looking at our algos to maybe make sure this site that the raters are deeming as the mo most authoritative of the 10 blue links is the one that's higher in the search results. How does Google actually, I mean, I don't know if, you, if, they, if we know this, but how does Google take what the raters do and then sort of integrate them to what they're doing algorithmically? So what happens is Google runs experiments with the raters. So they will work on some little part of an algo, uh, whatever algo update it is. And then they push it out to the raters. And again, the raters are blind. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what Google might be testing. They just see two similar search results and they're rating it based on which one is better uh, than the other. So, and they're doing, I think last year it was like 650,000 different experiments that they were running wow. that resulted in 3,200, I think, algo updates. <laughs> so like when Google says that, you know, people are freaking out because they're seeing an algo update and they're like, oh my God, you know, Gary or John, Danny or whoever, was there an algo update? And the answer is, well, probably. <laughs> it's because they have like thousands of algo updates being pushed out every day. And so it's, it's not that easy to be like, oh, well, it was this particular thing that pushed out, especially when you put it in the context that there could have been 10 or 12 things pushed out in a single day. If I was a Googler, that must be the, most, like, the single most annoying question. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> and especially because then we all sit and try to analyze it. Right. And try to figure it out. So that's what so we're then here what for. Happens, yeah. So then what happens 
So the raters rate the, 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 the potential update results with the live results. The Googlers get this data back and then they analyze it. Hmm. Does this change increase the quality of the search results? Did it decrease it? Were there any side effects? Um, if everything looks good, then they'll likely push out whatever update or tweak it was. And if it didn't work out well, then they won't. Right. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really cool. But I, I'm assuming that the raters undergo like extensive training, right? Or no? not really. In That's because interesting. They're, well, because they're just, it's like, uh, you know, our mom or dad or sister or cousin or whoever is doing searches. Right. They want, they look at it from a different lens than we look at search results, right? They look at it from a, oh, was this result useful? Whereas, like, if you and me search, we can look at it more like, hmm, I wonder how many backlinks this page has. <laughs> I wonder when the last time they updated this content was. Do they have a date on this page? Do they not have a date on this page? Do they have an author bio? And what's their canonical date? Like, <laughs> there's so many things that we look at it from uh, from the search results perspective that the rate, and, and we're such a small subset of Google users, No, right? we're, not, we're not normal. Yeah, we're not normal in any stretch of the imagination right. when it comes to our search behavior. And so we're, we're not the market they're like reaching for when they're testing algo updates. They, they want, you know, average Joe or Jane being the ones that are doing the searches that aren't as savvy as us, I guess I should say. But they have this great big guide that's 200 and some odd pages. Right. That's sort of my question. And they study it and then they actually have to answer exam. Okay, fine. All right. Because like I know so, my cousins so, and they're not reading a 200 page guideline. And then so they're tested on it. And if they're if I'm a rater and my ratings are way different than what kind of like the majority of the ratings are, then they'll come back and be like, hmm, okay, so <laughs> this rater is like not following, you know, what the average seems to be. So then they will address it. Got it. Your, your idea of page quality is slightly different than everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> okay, so let's jump back into the uh, the changes that I wanted to analyze with you. Okay, change number two um, was the most recent update back in September. Unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Google, <laughs> Google split up shopping from finance, making it its own YMYL um, niche or category. And I'm wondering why they did that. I think the biggest reason was simply that many, many people just didn't realize that shopping sites were considered your money or life. I did not. So many. Like, I will freely admit that. In most of the presentations I do, I have a slide that just says, do you sell anything? You're your money, your life. Right. Because it kind of was, you know, lumped in with this kind of finance uh, area before. So I think it was just simply about making it more clear that a site selling anything is considered your money or your life. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise because they were collecting, you know, financial information, credit cards, no, it makes total data sense. on right. these people. But for in the broader picture, everybody is like super surprised that they're considered your money or your life and you are held to this higher standard when you when you sell anything. When you take someone's credit card, you should be held to a higher standard. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Last one. This one is the most perplexing one to me. And, and that's the idea that um, news Re, uh, resides at the top of the YMYL um, list and not health, which was odd to me. I think it was more to do with they made significant changes with the news part of your money, your life um, a couple of years ago. There was a lot of controversy in the search results. I'm sure you yeah, remember yeah. with like sure. fake news and conspiracy theories and stuff ranking well in the search results. 
and it got a lot of bad publicity for Google. So Google updated their guidelines and they changed their algos specifically to try and combat, you know, this fake news and conspiracy theories um, that could potentially be on the top of the search results if people weren't searching for specific conspiracy theories. And it made people definitely think about how good or not good the Google search results are. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I've been in this industry long enough that I remember before Google existed. And, you know, Google used to be the, the nobody search engine. And it was only because they really tackled the spam problem when it really became an issue with like Yahoo and I guess it was Ask and maybe MSN back then. And so, you know, Google, if Google doesn't continue to keep their search quality high, then it opens up the door for everyone to be like, hmm, these search results really have been kind of crappy lately. I'm going to go and use Bing or DuckDuckGo or whatever other search engine of the month happens to pop up at the time. So, you know, Google wants to ensure their results stay trustworthy because their searchers could end up going just like we all left uh, the Yahoo's uh, back in the day to go to Google in the first place. I mean, that's really interesting to me because when I think about the problem with, with Google and, and news, I don't think like, well, they're having a hard time figuring out what's, you know, what's real and what's not real. And they need the raters to help figure this out somehow. It's, I think to, to me, it's more, it's completely on the algorithm side. How does the raters uh, having a better idea of what quality news is help Google? Like, for example, if you type in like, I don't know, like breaking news or important news, you still get a lot of really bad results in the top stories carousel because Google's so heavily relying on the... Um, on the title in those cases. I've never actually done that. It's a weird thing. Yes, it's a weird one. <laughs> I know because I, um, SEO, we do weird searches. That's what I do in my Yeah, my I life, know, right? exactly. <laughs> no, no one actually does that. But the problem is that CNN, for example, doesn't list like important news in their titles because why would you do that? But like the Bumblebee Times does. So they show that's up. Kind of interesting. You're going to do it, right? Important. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a little bit mind boggling, but that's what I mean. Like to me, like the issues that Google was having. How do the readers help Google deal with that with the news? So actually, what when Google made the changes um, to the algo, they publicized it and they released quality readers guidelines at the same time right. that had all these changes in them. What they did behind the scenes was they updated the guidelines and they sent it to the readers. And then they started testing out algorithms to try and surface the higher quality news and to you know demote the conspiracy or the fake news, uh, if you want to call it that. Right. And once they adjusted the algo enough specifically to combat that, that the raters were rating the updated version higher than the current live results, then Google made the big announcement about the whole fake news changes. They okay. released the, the new updated guidelines that we all poured over and la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with that, um, so Google... In, in their most recent guidelines said that original content should be considered more authoritative. Yeah. But uh, Google's ha still having a very hard, I mean, just the news, I think it was the other day before this recording, you know, but not the other day when this actually is published and released live, but <laughs> the other day, I think it was Barry, ha Barry Schwartz had on his website that, because he had the real canonical attribute and Google's using that to, to see what the real or, or the um, original source is. And then Glenn Gabe came out and said, well, not exactly. It seems that like Google's ignoring that. Yeah. So it seems like Google's having a hard time, forget what the raters, but like actually doing what it, like some basic things in determining who 
is the original source. Yeah. Yeah. So syndication has always been kind of a tricky thing. Yeah. Canonicals help, but Google has always said canonicals are only a hint. They can still use other signals to determine which is the higher quality or the originating source. So uh, if you're syndicating content, it's, it's definitely, I think it's definitely more of a challenge these days, but also from that regards, a lot of sites, I think if they really looked into it, they might not really see as much benefit from syndicated content as you know, it became, was really popular, what, 15, 10, 15 years ago, like everybody was syndicating their content, but now people are more wanting to, they don't want to have to worry about their content showing up on other sites and outranking them. Yeah. Right. Um, because it, because it is a problem because it is just a hint and if the person who's syndicating your content is has much higher authority than you do then it could be problematic and also i think it was john said a year or two ago that if one of your syndication partners is outranking you there's probably a reason for it that you need to look at your own site quality or technical issues because there's something that's in play that's causing google to hey, we see this canonical, but we still think we should be showing this other one in the search results. Right, that's interesting. By the way, I'm speaking to um, Allie Berry. She works for one of the Motley Fool syndicates, or not, I'm, I'm sorry, subsidiaries. And she <laughs> said they, that's where they, they stopped syndicating as much content as they used to because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a tricky thing, but yeah, I'm, I definitely would suggest to people that they have a hard look if they're syndicating content yeah. and, you know, pros and cons and that kind of thing. But I think it's good that Google wants to kind of like elevate original sources. Yeah, for sure. In in the search results, that was kind of like their their main goal with what like they've made some recent um, announcements about elevating better search results with the news content and the more originating sources, which is good because they want. It's always a good thing if more news sites are doing their own original reporting rather than you know one site and everybody regurgitates the same. You know, nobody wants just the same cookie cutter news story. We'd rather read a whole bunch of different perspectives with, you know, different bits of original reporting and stuff. So diversity is always good. Right. Except for except for your Reuters or Bloomberg. Then it's not, yeah. <laughs> not good. That's bad. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of this, by the way, and I know I'm going to step in a, on a major landmine, no matter how I phrase this question. Um, because the original, the original um, preference in the quality reader guidelines and Google's announcement that they were going to algorithmically preference original content came out within days of each other or maybe even a day of each other. And to me, it says, oh, wait, you know, it, there's a real intrinsic connection perhaps between the quality reader guidelines and the, the algorithm itself. I know John said there's no one-to-one correlation but i don't mean from a one-to-one -one perspective i mean like sort of the general thrust of where the algorithm is going and the general thrust of where the 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 guidelines are going is there a connection between the two there i think there's a pretty big connection um not with all updates but we've seen obviously multiple times in the past where there's been specific changes made to the quality rater guidelines that are coinciding with various algo updates such as the original news uh, the fake news stuff yeah and the controversy. Um, so there's definitely, we do see a lot of correlations there. And I always look at the, equator, the quality rater guidelines when I break down like what exactly changed. 
it's, it's a lot of that is a signal to me like hmm, this is what google's thinking of mm -hmm. and they're working on so it yeah. might not be live in the search results now but it's in there so the raiders are actively knowing they need to be looking for this or checking for that i think it was like the uh, medic update um in particular where i saw this where there were sort of like we're looking at the sites that were hit there were the there sort of seemed to be this pattern of like flavors of what was changing in the quality readers guidelines being implemented into the algorithm itself and that was what's impacting pages that were that were demoted um and so again i wouldn't call it like a one-to-one -one match but like i would say like there's like this like um essence of the of the of the updates to the guidelines within the updates happening algorithmically at the same time do you see that being manifested by the core updates with the with their tendency to impact ymyl sites so the core updates are kind of an interesting one because they always say we can't make any changes right. based on a core update right and also because there's these three thousand other algo changes made a year that there could be a core update that just happens to coincide with something else that we've picked up on as a likely thing um like you brought up the medic thing for mm -hmm. example because we saw a ton of um i don't want to say pseudoscience but um non-mainstream yes yeah. like the herbal stuff and the uh, powders drink, and the, right to yes. cure cancer right. and like all this kind of stuff Do dr and x that, yeah, right. that was definitely highlighted in the in the quality radar guidelines that they want to make sure that anything that can affect the health of a person is only the most trustworthy sources. And, you know, Google or Gary from Google made a comment that someone approached him to ask about, you know, well, why does this, you know, pseudo health site, why can't I get it ranking or like it's not fair. And his response is, well, that can kill people. Right. 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 If they're if Google's not serving them, you know, accurate medical advice and they're going with the drink bleach to cure your cancer right, or right, whatever right. the latest quacky thing they're talking about is. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, um, you know, it, you compare it to, say, a, uh, a sports news site. So you get the sports score wrong. Like, OK, that's not good. <laughs> but like if you're telling me to do cocaine while I'm undergoing chemotherapy, yeah, it's a lot worse. And my ranking yeah. should be way more demoted than if I get the scores wrong. Yeah. And Google actually did. They lessened up some of the stuff that fell into your money, your life specifically about news. And I think sports was one of the ones they took out of it. Oh, really? That's funny because um, I was thinking it should be in because of all the gambling. I lose money. Uh, Not that I gamble on sports. I didn't think about that part, right. actually. But, but it's interesting no, because gamble, it's, because so. <laughs> it's, it's legal now in California or in a bunch of other states also. Oh, maybe. So that's but interesting. I, like, I think I, sports, I think, was taken out. Entertainment and just like the generic lifestyle news was taken out of your money or life. Well, poor sports gamblers. Now they're going to have low quality <laughs> sites. Sucks for them, I guess. Um, okay, so we, we you know, you, you mentioned that you speak to, um, to Gary and, and to John. And it's one of the things you're more famous for is having access to all these um, Googlers. And I'm, and I'm wondering, I don't, know, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. But I wonder what your take is on what's being said by them and what's perhaps not being said by them when it comes to the guidelines. So I think Googlers who speak publicly are kind of in a tough spot because I'd like to think they'd like to be a lot more open than they are. But if they were more open, then spammers would just use that information to yeah. their advantage. And then the search results would suffer, right? You know, we'd see a lot more spam if, you know, 
Google was saying, oh, well, if you, you know, have your keyword, da, 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 and then spammers would be like, ha, 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 hello, you know, Fettermine, here we come. <laughs> I think, and especially for like, I think for any updates, obviously we wish they could be a lot more specific about what was targeted so that people could fix them rather than us trying to analyze based on who we saw improving and who didn't improve. And, but there's always so many other things that can be impacting. Like, for example, there was a few years ago, Wikipedia switched over to HTTPS, mm -hmm. but everyone saw their rankings tank. So everyone was like, oh my God, there was this algo update and they've, they've hit sites like Wikipedia really, really hard. <laughs> but then like we looked into it and it's like, no, it's just they, they went HTTPS. So Google is like dropping out all the HTTPs and then bringing in all the HTTPSs. So of course there's going to be yep. like huge fluctuations. You know, we often get the, you know, basic improve your site quality, which is the generic uh, any core update. Um, and they say like, if your site drops, then other sites are doing it better. So see what you can improve. For years, we did have to, we only relied on leaked copies of the quality rater guidelines that I would try to finagle my way to get a copy. <laughs> the Tom Cruise <laughs> like dropped down into Google. <laughs> because as copy. I got known for doing all these quality rater guideline updates, then I'd have raters send them to me. That's like, awesome. Oh, thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so Google is good that they actually went and started releasing them to mm -hmm. us. So, you know, they publish them officially now, which is awesome because for years, like we were basing our analysis on copies that are, were a year or more old, whereas now we're getting them almost real time. Right. Uh, we get what seems to be a few weeks after the raters get them. And that's another nice thing about the quality rater guidelines is a lot of SEOs, they talk about like big, well-known sites, but a lot of the examples and stuff that they use in the rater guidelines are little teeny hmm. websites as well. It's not just like the big brands. That's great because everyone was always so upset, like, oh, it's the big brands dominate everything. So, you're, so why is that? Simply because they want a more diverse sample set or there's something I, unique? I think it was just more diverse sample set. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, we'd be seeing like BBC and Macy's and all those <laughs> kind of sites for, for Amazon's in uh, the, the examples. Then the Wall Street Journal would really be right. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Last serious question of the of the evening. There's so many changes to the quality readers to the quality readers guidelines that there's n there's no way it could possibly cover all of them in an, you know a 30 45 minute interview. So before we we move on, just what are some other significant things that maybe have sort of gone under the radar or things that you think should be addressed that are not being addressed the way that they should be within the guidelines? Um, to the larger SEO world? Okay, there's three things that I often will tell people. So the first one is people don't realize that in the Raider guidelines now, all those screenshots, you can click through to them. So you can actually oh. click through every single example in there and get like a big size picture. <laughs> so you can like really look into detail of what sites they think are good and what sites they are not. But that's my favorite part of reading about the updates when you, <laughs> is that you have to like zoom in your page and like you're looking at this like blurry view of the... <laughs> yeah, well, wow. you can now click through to them. So that's ruined you never for me used now. to be able to. So 
Yeah, and I've talked to people who've actually found their sites listed as poor quality examples. Really? And if you're listed as a poor quality example, they apparently just never update those screenshots. So your your site is permanently considered poor quality <laughs> or high quality. That's great. <laughs> in terms or terrible. of creator guidelines. Yeah. <laughs> That's like worse than Penguin was. Yeah. Something else I like to mention is that Google actually advocates for sites running advertising um, in the Raider guidelines. There's, they tell the Raiders that sites need ad revenue to be able to support quality content and journalism. Many people are under the misconception that Raiders, if they see an ad on your site, yeah. they're going to you know, rate it low, and that's not the case. They do say that if you're excessive ads, like it's just like, nothing but ads above the fold um or if you're using those like really eye-catching gross images like the tabula and like those yes. ones that you always see and you're just like yes. oh my god get this off my screen <laughs> though that's those are the things that are considered low quality uh when it comes to ads per se right um and there they have some really funny spammy ones and i recently spoke at a conference and i was trying to get a screenshot of like a tabula ad that wasn't absolutely disgusting and i had an awful time i was like refreshing all these websites trying to find a picture it's it's pretty it's pretty disgusting and like tabula and outbrain i think are now have now merged so now it it's merged, yeah, yes. so now it's one giant conglomerate i don't know of which nastiness. name is is the the one that's surviving but i think yeah. tabula is oh yeah and the third thing is um a lot of people don't realize that google made a change recently about clickbait and they want to make sure that your titles are matching the content, not using misleading titles to encourage clicks like we've all seen and hate when we click through and we're like, wait a minute, this is not what the page was supposed to deliver. And actually to expand on that, Gary recently said that if Google is rewriting your titles for anything other than just like adding your site name to it, you probably want to have a closer look at your title tags because right, right. for some that. reason Google is finding them lacking. That would be pretty bad if Google has to rewrite your title for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, some, how bad I mean sometimes we be? see sometimes we see little tweaks that simply adjust it based on the context of uh, the query, especially for longer tail queries. Mm -hmm. If they're just adding your site name onto it, that's not a big right. Deal. There was they there was they were tacking on like location for a while recently, right? And there was some kind oh, of for weird some test. yeah yeah some kind of weird test like that. That makes sense, but like if you're if you're that bad that they have to rewrite your title, you shouldn't be running content altogether. <laughs> so this is, please. Okay. So now it's part of the show where I get to ask you a really ridiculous question. Um, I call it optimize it or disavow. It's where I either give you two really good options and you're stuck choosing one good option over a really good option and then just it's hard to do. Or two really bad options and you're stuck having to choose between two crappy options. And then, of course, that's painful. Um, uh -oh. So this is the Jennifer Slag version of Optimize It or Disavow It. So it's zero sum. You could answer it depends, but prefer not to. Um, it's zero sum. If you had to do one or the other one, if you had to spend your time trying to recover from a core algorithm update, either by bolstering the author bios on your pages or by listing all of the publications that feature your work on your website, which would you do? Um, well, I will say that if you've been negatively impacted by a core update, neither of those are probably going <laughs> right, no. These are both terrible difference. options. Terrible, but terrible things to <laughs> wasting your time with. I'd, 
I'd probably focus on bolstering up your author bio just to showcase a little bit more about your author, um, who they are, why I should listen to them, where they've been published, what if they've won any awards, what their social media handles are, anything that makes me read your little author bio and be like, oh, okay, I, I should pay attention to this person. And then you can additionally bolster that by a lot of sites now, they'll have like the little shorter author bio on the author page, mm -hmm. or sorry, on the article page. And then you can click through yeah. and get like a longer expanded one where it goes into more detail and you can have like lists to their previous posts and stuff like that. And, and that's where you can go into like all their glorious details <laughs> about what they've done in their life and why they're awesome. Hopefully. <laughs> and then you should focus on putting all those nice little logos of where you've been featured. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on. This is I learned so much. This is really interesting and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. I can't believe I talked to a Canuck fan. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. You don't care. I don't care. It's a, there was a big rivalry in hockey between my team and her team in the in the nineties. And there's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a major sort of point. In the 90s? Yeah, we're sports fans. We don't let things go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hold on. My, my uncle still holds on the grudges from the, he still hates the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys. From the 1970s. Okay. Okay? Yeah, we're not good at letting things go. Mm -hmm. We're a very neurotic bunch. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was a great conversation. Um, she is the expert on the quality reader guidelines. By the way, um, for the record, there was a an update to the quality reader guidelines between the time we spoke and the time this has gone out. So there's an update we didn't speak about in this interview. I probably should have mentioned it beforehand, but it's okay. Um, because mainly there wasn't a, it wasn't a big change. A bunch of smaller changes. Google added a new introduction to the guidelines. That in itself is interesting. You can check it out, but it doesn't really impact any things we discussed. So you're all good. Got it. Good to know. Yeah. So moving on. Yeah. Onwards. Yes. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's kind of quiet on the news front. Let me, you know, preface this because it was the holiday season. Nothing right. new is really going on, and you know, we got a little bit lazy with the news this month, this week. <laughs> so, so, um, due to that, there's a few things for you to consider before you hear the news. Now, so Pierre, can you please hit it with the news? There seems to be a 10-day backlog with the Search Console coverage report. If you see that there is a gap or a lag, there is a good chance it's not you. It's Google. Yeah, so have a look. Um, I don't know if it's been updated or not. I did not see any updates saying it's been fixed. So definitely have a look. Mm -hmm. ah, you spotted a new carousel Google is testing where it shows Google Maps lists in carousel form for local queries, didn't you? Who's you? The audience or yeah. me? Oh, you're talking to me. I'm talking to you. Yes, I did. I spotted that. <laughs> I'm so good. Look how good at SEO I am. I spotted a new SERP feature, I think. Okay. Um, it's a cool thing. It was a carousel that appeared. I couldn't replicate it, so it's a very limited test. It's a carousel that shows um, a, a series of cards, each card representing a list from a, a Maps user. So on Maps, you can make a list of all these locations that you like. So let's say you Googled. Um, I think the one I used was cocktail bars in New York City because I love cocktails. I don't like cocktails. <laughs> I was just about to say, you don't look like I like a I like guy. scotch straight up, bourbon straight up, meat, <laughs> that's it, beer. I don't like any of these drinks, things. Probably not. Some of them are good. I like kamikazes. Those are good. 
Anyway, you click on a card. It shows you the user's full list, so you get a whole bunch of locations and interesting restaurants, bars, whatever it was relevant to the, to the query that are recommended by that particular Maps user. Very interesting. Um, and that's all we have for the news today. There was something else I wanted to mention. I, didn't, I forgot to, to bring this up. A while back, there was a, a test where Google was running in the local pack where you can choose which area you wanted to, to focus on. So let's say you did a query for, I don't know, um, electricians in San Jose. Well, I don't really know San Jose. Um, electricians <laughs> in New York. Okay? Course, yeah. And there would be a bunch of different areas. Did you mean um, Chelsea, the West Village, Upper West Side? Did you mean Long Island, Staten Island? <laughs> And you can now, that is fully rolled out, and now you can pick which area you wanted, and that's a good change. Mm -hmm. Staten Island. It's a garbage dump. Anyway, um, <laughs> so is Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. Enough with bashing the various areas of New York that suck, which are mainly all of them, and onwards again. Onwards. Onwards again. Good pivots this week, Morty. You've really outdone yourself in pivoting from one segment to the next. It's fun time. Get ready. Yeah. Get set. <laughs> and go with the fun SEO send-off question. So this week, we're asking... Wait, wait, wait. We didn't introduce it. Come on. Why? It's the first one for 2020. It's, mom it's momentous. <laughs> it's not like it's a new thing. It's an amazing thing. It's the newest, bestest thing since sliced bread and whatever, whatever <laughs> in SEO. Top SEO trend 2020. Okay, so you do it. No. Yeah. No, it's your question. So, so don't cut me off. Sorry. This week, we're asking, <laughs> how did Google spend New Year's Eve? Great question. I wonder what sparked that. <laughs> Mainly the fact that it was New Year's recently. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> very, very original. Very original, very creative, right. but very timely <laughs> and on target. So good, co good job. True. Yeah, thank you. Do you have an answer? I do. Wow, this is also a change. <laughs> New Year's resolution. I'm actually going to answer these questions now. Okay. So, my question is, um, my answer is, sorry. <laughs> I think Still Google... Still filling that uh, champagne, up, okay. huh? <laughs> Google probably watched the Times Square countdown. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see Rob Gronkowski slam I, Steve Harvey's no, head? I, I watched it because of BTS. Oh. BTS. Whatever. I don't know what that is. What? Come on, you're on Twitter 24-7 and you don't know, you didn't hear of BTS? I'm not on BTS? Twitter 24-7, that's not true. <laughs> I, I, I phase in and I phase in and out of Twitter. Even, Don, even Danny Sullivan tweeted about them. Oh, then, then of course I know about it. <laughs> Do you know about Rob Gronkowski smashing <laughs> Steve Harvey's head? Leg it's not Lego BTS, head? I don't care. Whatever. Okay. They're great. Um, I think, yeah. I think Google spent New Year's like most of us. Watching BTS. No, drunk, passed out in a pool of their own vomit in the bathroom floor. <laughs> oh my God. Happy New Year, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. That's literally what I think. That's awful. That is pretty awful. Yeah. Have you ever, has it ever happened to you? No. By never. the way, Times Square, could I point out to you, is like the worst thing possible because you can't. Most people, you're watching this on TV. Let me tell you from a real New Yorker, okay? <laughs> Do not go there. That is so stupid. And this will end the show on this. And some really piece, uh, important piece of advice. They barricade you in, and yeah. you cannot leave for hours. And you're left having to pee your pants if, you, <laughs> if you're stuck. I heard there were like million, million people there. There's a ton of people there. No real New Yorkers go to this thing. Ah, uh, yeah? And, uh, not, none of that I know of. <laughs> 
Because you can't leave. You literally can't go to the bathroom <laughs> for five hours. <laughs> okay? And if so if you have a prostate problem, oh my God. you're in a whole world of pain <laughs> on New Year's Eve. And that'll do it for us on this episode of the InSearch SEO Podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. Check out a new episode next Tuesday. We love you. Thank you. Happy New Year. And it's been in search because we're all in search of something. Oh, thank you for finishing off for me. Bye.